This episode of Data Mesh Radio is brought to you in conjunction with Next Data, the startup Jamak Dehani, the creator of Data Mesh, formed to focus on many of the challenges we discuss here in Jamak's Corner. As she states in her post announcing the company, if you are a rebel who shares our cause, a data leader who wants to adopt and help design our technology, or an investor interested in shaping the future of analytics and AI, we invite you to get involved at nextdata.com or by emailing hello at nextdata.com. I do encourage you to reach out to my good friend and awesome co-host in these episodes, Jamak. This specific episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and to really discuss Jamak's views on the now and the future of data mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success? And what is her ideal picture in the future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully you get some great insights as well as seeing another side of the funny and wonderful person behind the data mesh paradigm and next data. Please do also follow Jamak on LinkedIn and Twitter for more interesting insights and to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested. Okay, well, welcome to uh, an episode of Jamak's Corner. So uh, very excited about this. Um, so Jamak, one, one question that has come up a lot is, or, or a topic, is that you and I have both mentioned that data mesh isn't for everyone. There are some people out there that are trying to say, no, 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 absolutely everybody should do it. But from my perspective, it's been if centralization of your data team isn't your main pain point or it, it isn't causing issues, why, why change everything? Why change the way that you're operating in order to uh, do this thing just because it's the thing that, that other people are doing? So how do you think about how can an organization tell if the challenges they are seeing would actually be addressed by moving to data mesh, right? Basically, how can an organization determine if data mesh is right for them? Hmm. Well, it's great to be here, Scott. Um, great question to get started with. And the short answer is, you're right. Data mesh is not for everyone, but it's a <clears throat> it's a it's a it's a funny question. It's a loaded question. Let's let's unpack it, and it has maybe a, you know a slightly complex answer that might change over time. Uh, in fact, in the book, I start the last part of the book, strategy and execution, with a chapter that says, "Should you adopt data mesh?" Today, So I emphasize the word today because however uh, you make a decision to, you know, to go to data mesh or not, and the factors that you count in today, they will change tomorrow. And so I guess I want to just contextualize the answer we're giving to the audience that we're talking about uh, in the moment of time that we are at right now, right? So, so what's the special about today? Um, 
and what would be different about tomorrow that this answer might change. Um, organizations that want to move toward data mesh today, they are going to face some challenges in terms of, uh, you know, the overhead of technology, working with technology. We're still at the very early phases of this change. And we don't yet have the tools that have been designed to shape the behavior of the people to work in this decentralized and autonomous way when it comes to data. So that in the absence of, with the absence of those kind of technologies and tools that are just so intuitive and so helpful, what IC organizations are doing are dedicating a lot of engineering effort in building those custom platforms, right? And the, now that we've been on this journey for a few years, really the time span is two, three beyond years allocated to building that, you know, intuitive experience or developer experience um, for data mesh. So, so many of the organizations don't have the budget, the bandwidth. It seems like an, you know, over engineering, um, you know, infrastructure that is just not rationalized. Uh, to do today. You and I, if the, we have this conversation a year or two years down the track and we assess whether data mesh is for organizations or not, we might have a very different answer to say, oh, well, these are all these great tools. Even if you don't have the engineering bandwidth or capacity to dedicate to build the right you know, platform and technology, go for it because you can get it off the shelf. So I just want to first like contextualize whatever we talk about is contextualized to the state of the data mesh today. And then your second question, which was very, I think, rational, that should we, if we don't have pain points, if we don't have a, you know, central, the pain points that comes with monolithic and centralized operating model and architecture, should we move to data mesh? I mean, should we have some sort of a, you know, data mesh NV and it seems like a cool word and we should just spend a bunch of money and make some changes? And of course, the answer is no. But I want to double click into that one more time and say, if you look at the organizations that are working with data and they do have a centralized data team and a centralized model, why they don't have the pain points that data mesh points to, right? Surfaces or tries to address. Or as well, I think if your pain points aren't caused by that centralization, I think so many people have data that, you know, that they can't rely on, they can't trust, and they go, oh, well, if we just move to data mesh, it'll fix it, when it's like the, the cost of moving to data mesh is non-trivial. So I think, you know, what what are the indications that you would that you would say that this is right for you or this is not right for you what what might be not even thinking about should uh, or or would this be good if we could do it what do you think are exactly. the good signals to really think about that's a really good point um to me the 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 main signals is um evolves around the scale of the complexity of an organization when it comes to data. And we can measure the complexity by the number of, in a very simple form, we can measure it by the number of teams, domains, sources, essentially, that become the source of data that are generating you know, signals from their customer contacts, from their partner network, from um, you know, all of their in, internal, external systems. So they have 
this diversity and complexity around sources of the data. And on the other hand, they have complexity and skill around application of the data. I mean, a lot of organizations, of course, have the complexity of sources. The moment we move to digital platforms, you've got data pumping in. So you might say, yes, I have many systems, many domains, many touch points, and I've got that complexity. But if you don't really have the aspirations or the infrastructure or the need or the vision to put that data into um, interesting and diverse set of use cases, you know, beyond reporting, beyond what traditionally known as BI, um, and put that into use in, you know, ap- ap- application of machine learning and mo- uh, analytics in every part of your business and application. If you don't have that scale and complexity, then yes, data machine is not right for us. So these two signals are to me uh, the signals that evolve around complexity, around the data ecosystem within an organization, around the sources, around the consumer use cases. And then if you do have those complexities, the second, I guess, uh, derived signal from that is that your time from data to value keeps growing, right? The pain for getting data to value and from data to value, value stream can be defined as, you know, somebody interacted with my website, that's a signal, that's a piece of data to um, acting on that data in an automated fashion to make their experience more, you know, more flawless or delightful with recommendations, with, um, you know, other ways of application, applying that data. So that the, the, the second hand kind of signal is that that time from that val- time generating value, actionable value from that data uh, increases how long does it take for a data scientist from going from a hypothesis that, oh, if maybe there is something that I can do, uh, you know, exploring this data and coming up with a model and then, you know, improving a part of the business automatically. How long does it take to go from that hypothesis to actually building and applying that? Um, so I think that's another signal, this time to value from data. Uh, that people can measure. And of course, the, there's other, right? Like how much of your time, what is your um, change fail ratio? How much of your time is being spent on fixing ETLs? Have you reached the level of complexity that no matter how many you know fancy ETL management tools and observability you throw at this beast is still you know spending a lot of your time dealing with bugs and problems because you've reached a level of complexity that is monolithic kind of you know, ETL pipelines that you've built need to be decomposed in a different fashion. So hopefully these are some helpful metrics. Yeah. Well, and I think people probably want a, give me a number or whatever, but (laughs) I don't think that's possible. But I think you also answered a question I was going to ask about the modern data stack. A lot of that is, Mm -hmm. that concept is getting to time to value, but it almost sounds like you're talking about time to maintainable value to production level value versus getting something into production that is Im- immediately deteriorating and so you're that those etl is is starting to continuously break and, and issues is your tech debt that's coming due and you're having to constantly pay more of you're, you're paying more debt than you are uh like principal right you're you're just paying down debt instead of adding additional value i think yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, and, and we can park this. I mean, I would love maybe as a separate corner conversation, we can just unpack the state of modern data stack and 
have more of a historical perspective, but also like zoom out perspective of what is it that we're doing right now and, and what things have been improved with the modern data stack and what problems haven't been yet answered. And we're still digging the same hole with, with you know, with... <laughs> Fancier shovel? Smaller, nicer, more modern tools, bigger, yeah, nicer, shinier shovels, but it's still the same hole. Uh, but I won't digress. Let's, let, we can park that and come back to that as a separate topic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shemak, for uh, the, the first inaugural Shemak's uh, Corner. I think this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me. So thanks again to Shemak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks, looking to partner with others, and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat Data Mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.